VegCast. Hey, VegCast 118 is here. VegCast. With the 2013 Sounds of Summerfest. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, VegCast is back once again with our annual Sounds of Summerfest edition where we try to capture some of the sonic experiences that encapsulate the appeal of Vegetarian Summerfest put on by the North American Vegetarian Society. Uh, This year it was uh, the first week of July out in Johnstown, PA, and we have plenty coming your way. One might even call it a full menu uh, vegetarian podcastery surrounding the events and the people of Summerfest 2013. We're going to be talking with a few of them. We'll be talking to Rich Roll, ultramarathon Rich Roll, also uh, with Amy, Amy Hamlin, who just got a uh, school in uh, New York to go vegetarian. We'll be talking to Hall of Fame winner Ray Sikora. Hope that's not a spoiler alert. She did win the Vegetarian Hall of Fame during the course of Summerfest. Uh, We'll be talking uh, briefly with Michael Greger just to get some of that special sauce that Michael Greger always brings. And we'll be talking with others and have more sounds and uh, uh, different uh, moments, let's say, from Summerfest. But for now, sit back, relax, and crank up your MP3 player as we bring to you this 118th edition of... Ah, the beautiful bucolic sounds of the University of Pittsburgh Johnstown campus with some of that bird song I always like to try to get some samples of to convey the peaceful nature of the environment uh, during Summerfest. And this time actually went so far to be sure that I got that uh, as to accompany Ted Barnett and his birding group, which, uh, of course... In order to actually hear birds that are singing, you have to go where they are when they're singing, which is at the crack of dawn. So we'll start off there and listen in on uh, just a minute of that, and perhaps learn a couple of things about bird song. Well, let's just, for people who have an actor, that's fine, but we're just going to sit here and listen anyway. And we're going to just close our eyes and see how many things we can identify. So do you hear a bird? This is obviously this really loud bird here. This is a catbird. And right now he's being a mimic and imitating all kinds of species. But he's only doing little pieces of the other bird's songs. He's not as organized as a mockingbird who will do the whole song. And when he gets excited, he'll do his typical song, which is which is why they're called catbirds. It's kind of a meow. There's a little meow in there. Meow. Up, up to the to the right, to my right. Okay, that's a song for this one. Over there, kind of a complex song. So the, you hear someone going, Peter, 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 Peter. Does anyone know what that is? That's a tufted titmouse. Peter, Peter. Do it. There, did you hear that? Peter, Peter. That's a tufted titmouse. And over here is a song sparrow. You know what? And I hear a, I hear a house friend. Oh, there's a house friend over here. We'll hear the house friend in a minute. Oh, yeah, there's a cat. Okay. Oh, it's sitting out in the open. See the cat bird is sitting right here on the dead snag? Oh. 
All right, we will move on as I have almost a full hour of audio from that trip where I uh, not only was recording what was going on, but using the uh, recording device hopefully to get some of those sounds that uh, I might not be able to hear at the time, but would be able to hear later. So uh, I even today I'm not clear that I actually hear all those ones that Ted was just pointing out. Uh, but it was a great time uh, to be out, a good way to start the day. And uh, even with some magical moments. And Robert Victor just pointed out it's walking along uh, a track that's a few feet up from the inner track field, which is all grass, which is wet with dew. Uh, as we're moving along, each of us can see a halo on our shadow around our own head but not on anybody else's head so it's a cute uh, effect not it's not a halo like a ring or anything it's just a diffusion of of light but it's once you are looking for it it's very clear and it's only on your shadow so the bird song and the Calm, contemplative, walking along the path in the woods will certainly serve as the signal sound for this summer. Well, perhaps the construction equipment would be better suited to serve as the sound of this summer fest since there was construction that completely ruined the middle of campus for everybody. We had to walk around to get to the lunchroom. But uh, it was all in the service of a bigger, brighter, fresher University of Pittsburgh Johnstown campus. So uh, managed to soldier on and put up with that construction. And speaking of the lunchroom, let's talk about school lunches with Amy Hamlin. Here we are in the Student Union in Johnstown talking with Amy Hamlin, the director of the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food, about the fact that now there is at least one school in New York that has gone vegetarian and we have Amy to thank for it so Amy thank you and what I just wanted to uh, do you have anything that you wanted to say to our listeners about that because I wanted to get that fact into this podcast because it's a big thing that we're marking here at this summer fest it is it is really exciting and of course it was a team effort with a number of people um, my organization the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food being one of them it's very, very exciting, and now we have a second school that's going to be vegetarian starting in the fall. So right. that's very exciting. And then we got 30 more schools signed on that will have vegan options twice a week. Great. So it's, it's, a big, um, it's a big shift in consciousness. Um, right. You know, we know, we know that students, when they have healthy food, healthy nutrition, learn better. They're sick less, so they're in school. Um, there's less disruptions to the classroom. They can focus and concentrate better so they can learn better. So it's really in a school's best interest right. um, to do this because the kids, kids don't get enough fruits and vegetables. But really the big thing we focus on is what is called the protein component of the meal. Mm -hmm. The protein component, of, you know, like most, most people know, or I take that back, maybe most people don't know, but most people who eat plant-based diets know that there is protein in all whole plant foods. Right. 
and that it's really kind of, yes, we need protein, but it's kind of a non-issue because as long as you're getting enough calories, you'll get enough protein. But the way the school meal program works is there's these different components of food, protein, grain, fruit, vegetable, and milk. It would actually take an act of Congress to get rid of the milk. Um, That is, it is required to be offered. Um, They do allow a substitution of soy milk with a doctor's or a parent's note. However, the school may do that, but they're not obligated to do it. So that's the milk category. And also important to know that schools are now all required to offer free water to children in the lunchroom. And so they have to do that. And that's a good thing. Sure. Because milk is really made for baby baby mammals, right? So, but the other piece, really the big piece, is the protein component because everybody, no matter how they eat, should be getting fruits and vegetables and whole grains. But so our focus is the protein component, and in in the USDA, um, in the way that they work, that means legumes, beans, lentils, split peas, or tofu. Tofu is allowed now, just starting this past September. Um, so we've just finished the first year of having tofu as a protein item. Great. So that's great. Schools can also use soy yogurt as a protein. I don't think most schools do or will because it's probably too expensive. Schools only have about a dollar per lunch meal for those five components. So, um, but it's 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 really it's a shift in consciousness. Right. It's important. It's our tax dollars too, actually paying for most of this food. So, I want my tax dollars providing health-supporting, disease-preventing foods. Right. Well, let me, that's fantastic, and I'm just going to ask one follow-up question, which is uh, that when I posted this on Facebook, uh, a friend who is a vegan and who is a former uh, person who has been interviewed on VegCast uh, made the crack, oh, well, if they're just replacing, if it's vegetarian and they're just, you know, replacing meat with cheese, then I don't see that this is actually making that much progress. And I was like, ooh. You know, uh, they they so couldn't see the fist you were just making or they, the expression you just made on your face. But, but, but I mean, they were reading a news article yeah. about this. It didn't, like, link all the way through. To, so, um, you know, I was like, well, if you knew, Amy, you would, you would be embarrassed for saying that. Well, look, so, the bottom line is uh, this is this is the largest school food service operation in the country, and we're in partnership with them. And they have is a wellness goal to offer and promote the inclusion of plant-based entrees. It is one of their goals. Right. We are helping them achieve this goal. And is there cheese on the menu still? Yes, there is. And, but we have a school that's vegetarian, and two to three days a week, it is a vegan protein component. Right. And that is really quite amazing. Now, obviously, we want it to be every day. And we are working toward that goal. But the fact is there was always cheese on the menu at least twice a week anyway. So there's not more cheese on the menu than there used to be. There's less animal products on the menu than there ever was before as a result of this effort. And any any hardcore vegan can know that we, our goal is to have meals that are plant-based because it's what's healthiest, it's what's best for the planet, and you know, of course, what is done to animals is really atrocious. Right. And we don't we don't need animals to be healthy. In in fact, just the opposite: eating animals makes us less healthy. Right. We know that. It's in you know thousands upon thousands of research articles. There's really no question about it. 
The only reason there's any question is because the meat and dairy industry puts that question in people's heads. Right. So, um, so this is symbolically very, very large. Yeah. It is beginning to change the public consciousness, and we are we're very excited to be a part of it. Well, and I'm excited that be a, just the part of it where I can help uh, get that word out here on VegCast. So thanks for taking time out. We've thanks so much. crowded time right here. Everybody's trying to do everything, so thanks for just taking this time to talk on VegCast. Well, thank you. And anybody on VegCast who doesn't know about Vegetarian Summerfest, check it out. It's a great five days every year. Yeah. That was Amy Hamlin. We were just outside the lunchroom. Now we're inside the lunchroom soaking up a little of that Summerfest lunchroom vibe. Piano stylings and trombone stylings, and just the feeling of camaraderie. Why, it's just like we're back there again, isn't it? Anyway, now that we've had a taste of lunch, let's uh, talk to somebody else. Uh, we try to find somebody that uh, is doing their first summer fest, and we have this time is Jeffrey Cohan. Let's catch up with him now. So we're right here outside the Pasquarella Center talking with Jeffrey Cohan, who is uh, the executive director of Jewish Vegetarians of North America, and this is your first summer fest. First, before you say anything about what you do outside here, uh, what, what's your you know reaction to your first summer fest? Definitely, my wife Catherine and I will be at summer fest every year from now. I can't believe it's taken me this long to come here for the first time. It's Great. incredible. Yeah. All right. Well, I happen to share that opinion. I'm not being paid to say that. No, not yet. But we'll, <laughs> we'll pay off afterward. But uh, so, what uh, what's the the latest with Jewish vegetarians of North America? I mean, did you did you come here to network uh, for that purpose, or you just were seeing what's going on, or do you have something that's coming up that you could tell us about, or what? Well, network for Servians, but also I spoke here at the conference on Friday about the Jewish basis, or, or the really the theological basis, which applies to Christians as well, to be a vegetarian or vegan. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have really big plans for Jewish vegetarians of North America in the coming month. I'm the first professional staffer the organization has had. Great. We're completely redesigning our website, building a great board of directors. And the time is really right for this organization to greatly increase its capacity. Great. All right. Well, I wish you luck on that, and I hope to see you uh, every Summerfest after this. And uh, Jeffrey Cohen, thanks for talking with thanks, us on man. VegCast. JewishVeg.com. Great. Thanks. All right. All right, we are kind of skipping around, uh, as you probably could tell, because we were just talking to Amy, we were just in the lunchroom, and all of a sudden we were outside the Pascarilla Center. Uh, but these are arranged for maximum kind of narrative effect within this particular podcast. And now we're going to go back over to the Living and Learning Center lobby. This is at night. Uh, this is later on. Uh, it's very noisy, so I apologize for that, but we have a noisy, brief interview with Dr. Michael Greger. All right, Michael Greger, yes. here we are at Summerfest 2013. This is, uh, you're going to be doing your infamous latest scientific studies, right? Indeed. So, what, you know, what can you bring to uh, our listeners without spoiling the whole thing, even though this will come out long after you <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so last year I uh, 
went through the 15 leading causes of death. We talked about That's the one right. that died. You made were number play. three, as I recall. Number six. Oh, number six. Oh, you're upgrading me? Well, I always have I'm such affection for you that I would just think more highly of you. I see. Right, right, right. I kill much more people than, than your regular doctor. I'm just that much more efficient. Yeah. That's right. It's the plant-based thing. It just makes you more efficient. I You're see. Able to get I your see. recovery time is better. There's poisonous plants, I guess, right? <laughs> Maybe um But well, seriously, yes. you were saying last so, year. Last year, talked about the role of diet in preventing, treating, even reversing um, some of the 15 leading causes of death. This year, going to talk about uh, the top dozen most common uh, reasons people go to their doctors. Um, okay. And so, you know, because I was just talking about the leading killers, I wasn't able to talk about uh, some conditions that, you know, affect people every day from, you know, arthritis, uh, headaches, you know, things down. So, um, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do next year, but uh, I seem to, I kind of like the, the frame that I put on last year. And okay. And just as a personal favor to me, yes, can you give me a, a tip on one of those uh you know, stand up, are you still standing things so that I can ah, win the uh, DVD? No more Come quiz on. shows. Oh, what? You're not even going to do any you of know, that? It takes too much time. I, know, I have so to cut hard. out so much material. Yeah. So it's like save people's lives with material or make them laugh because they get up and down. <laughs> I don't need a hit because I'll get all of it right there because you're cramming this with information rather than... It, in fact, it may be a little too much. Yeah. I, mean, I was just practicing it, and it too goes, much there's the, a lot the of... is going to be going, uh, like this for a half a hour solid. I mean, just because, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, I feel this kind of tremendous burden on my shoulders that, like, okay, so I have a year of science um, that I'm trying to get the best little bits, and it's like I'm afraid if I cut out something... Well, then somebody's going to have someone with that condition that doesn't know it and end up go. in surgery, you know. And so and came to some if of I just, just talk science. quicker yeah. and denser and yeah. Yeah, I don't have time for jokes and, I, and then everyone's just going to stare wide-eyed at the screen and be like, what is he talking about? That's the extreme I'm worried about. Well, that's true. All right, we wouldn't want that because no. people are already like... You know, Google-eyed at at you and you back at them, so it's perfect. But yeah, I, there's always going to be an entertainment factor, but you're never going to be able to get cover everything and get it all in there. You know, there's always going to be things that slip through. There's track. one more thing I can always fit in. I can always squeeze right in. Okay. Well, maybe you can talk to the MC for that evening and they'll grant you, uh, you know, oh, I was, forgot to give him the, oh, the five minute, minute, yeah. I'm the last speaker. I know. Well, that's you, the the, you know, go to sleep if you're done, but I'm talking, damn it. That's true. Well, all right. I think we have a plan. And listeners, I will update you later as to whether this worked out. Thank you for talking with us. Dr. Michael Greger, as always, a favorite at some of us. So happy to be here. Okay, and that did work out. The presentation was a huge success. It was informative and entertaining, but it did not include the uh, quiz show aspect. However, the next day, 
Uh, Dr. Greger did a session over in Heritage Hall A where uh, people could ask questions and then Dr. Greger would ask them a question. Uh, so that was, we had a little bit of that quiz show thing there. That was great. I got to ask a question. A lot of people got their questions on nutrition answered by an expert. But while we're still here in the Living Learning Center during the social time, let's head down the hall, see what's going on with the evening's entertainment. Holy cow. Is that? Yes, it is. Frank Sinatra. Entertaining. At Summerfest. where I would actually tell you who that is singing the karaoke uh, that was specializing in uh, swinging Sinatra and Bobby Darin-esque uh, renditions, uh, completely professional type of karaoke singing, but I didn't get his name. But you know the guy, the guy that was doing the Sinatra stuff. Uh, that was him. Well done. Did not get your name, but I did get the name of this person. That's right, Mr. Bob Dylan. No, that's Sarah Schluter Eisman singing No, she did a great job singing. She sang that and uh, another song. She also, of course, performed as part of the entertainment, and uh, some that perhaps led some people to be confused as to the difference between karaoke and getting up on the stage of the past Gorilla Center with a microphone in front of you. <laughs> this is the children's singing group doing their annual performance. But it may just sound like one person. That's because one little girl decided to commandeer the microphone even though Elizabeth Barnett was holding her back, Elizabeth then had to play piano. So she ran back to the microphone and would not give it up. Okay, that was definitely one of the moments of Summerfest 2013 that we're able to capture in audio. Not all of them, of course, are able to be captured in audio. We had a, a beautiful rainbow after one of the storms, many things, but we're going to concentrate here, as we always do, on the sounds of Summerfest, and that includes, as always, a check-in with the winner of the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. Here we are in between the Living Learning Center and, and the Pasquarilla Center with the 2013 Vegetarian Hall of Fame winner, Ray Sakura. Ray, congratulations. You're, of course, very deserving, and we just wanted to get your, your uh, anything that you have to say to the VegCast listeners. I'm renaming Summerfest to Love Fest. 
<laughs> okay. Well, that's good. All right. She's renaming Summer Fest to Love Fest. I'm going to ask one follow-up question because you did. We just came from your session about uh, vegans not being perfect and uh, having to be the poster child in your community for veganism. But you're somebody who will willfully puts yourself in that place of going from place to place to place to place and constantly being a, a vegan poster child. How do you how do you keep on just uh, how do you have the fortitude to keep doing that and putting yourself in these kind of difficult situations? I think I have the fortitude because in between all those difficult situations, I'm surrounded by incredibly loving, compassionate community, family, friends, and that's all that keeps me going doing it. If I was alone, I couldn't do it. Well, and that's this is one of those situations, so it's great to see you here. And great to see you, your name up there where it should be. And Thank you, Ray, Dan. congratulations. Thank you for everything. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, indeed. A kiss from Ray Sikora, just one of the sounds of Summerfest 2013. Uh, and as you could hear, we were hurrying along the path uh, there to get to dinner. And we will have one more interview having to do with hurrying along a path, but we're going to take a moment for a musical interlude. And this one is a new Green Being song that I premiered at this Summerfest uh, in a sing-along format. You'll hear it in the studio version, uh, but it is one that's very close to my heart because uh, it tries to express something that I'm hoping a lot of people can't argue with, which is uh, just the concept of animal-free. Let's get to it. Oh, yeah. 
what they deserve if we all start living true. That's what I'm meant to do. I'm born ready. How about you? Hey, I think you might be ready to animal free. Animal free. Yeah, because free is what all animals want to be. Compilation album Stay Crunchy, which you can find at greenbeansmusic.com. And there's where all the singing along is going on in the Pascarilla Center. It was a little disjointed, but uh, a lot of good energy there. We had a lot of fun with that. And uh, we're going to now turn to our last Sounds of Summerfest interviewette, which is with Rich Roll otherwise known as Ultraman. That is, he does Ultraman, ultramarathons, especially uh, one in Hawaii called Ultraman, which really tests the absolute limits of human endurance and uh, physical capability. And uh, he was talking at Summerfest, gave a great talk, and I also caught up with him on the walk between uh, the Living Learning Center and the lunchroom. So let's hear what Rich Roll has to say. All right, right now we're on the path, walking towards supper with Rich Roll, uh, the famous ultramarathoner, vegan athlete. Rich, I want to ask you, uh, taking off uh, from what you were talking about last night, uh, about, uh, you know, you're, we're not going to go through the whole story. People can look that up. We'll have a link to that, to your site, so they can find out about that. But uh, in terms of uh, fueling yourself for these these enormous gargantuan type events that you do. Um, a vegan diet, the whole point is that that is sufficient. But to what extent do you have to, uh, you know, start tinkering with what you what somebody like me would think of as just a regular vegan diet? Um, you do have to have a certain amount of protein. Um, can you just give people a very capsule description of as you start to uh, to do more, what what kinds of tinkering that you do with the basic plan? Well, I think the first thing that I would say say to speak to that is is that um, it's not as complicated as you might think. And there's this idea that because I'm an athlete and I'm eating a vegan diet, that I must be my kitchen must be like a laboratory where I'm measuring ingredients and paying super extra attention to my percentage of carbs to fat to protein. And I can tell you that that's not the case, you know. I eat a well-rounded, whole food, plant-based diet. 
with uh, copious amounts and all different varieties of fruits, vegetables, legumes, seeds, grains, whole grains. And uh, as long as I'm doing that, I try not to be too strict about, um, you know, how much of this or that. Because my body, through, you know, millennia of evolution, has figured out how to make the right mix and get right. where, what needs to go where and how. Um, certainly, uh, when I'm training harder, my caloric needs are higher, my protein needs are higher, my fat needs are higher. And... Uh, and um, I've had, uh, you know, I've, I've had to figure out what agrees with my system and what doesn't, and a lot of that depends on how hard I'm training and what kind of training I'm doing. Um, and I'm not, this is sounding really vague about it, but I think the point I'm trying to make, the point I'm trying to make is there's no mysterious, uh, solution. Um, and I think that the important thing is eating whole foods, you know, I mean, you can eat, you can eat very unhealthily on a vegan diet. I mean, technically, sure. you can eat French fries all day long. So certainly, that's not healthy, right. right? So I try to avoid gluten products. I try to avoid refined grains. I stick to whole plant-based foods. I'm a big advocate of um, blended uh, smoothie drinks. You know, we have a Vitamix and a juicer, and I rely on both of those and find them to be an integral part of my daily nutritional regime that right. keeps me fueled and feeling good for my training sessions. Well, so it's not the case that if you're doing a half marathon, you're going to eat one way. If you're doing a marathon, if you're doing an ultra marathon, that you start saying, well, I've got to change. But you're just like, I'm going to eat as well, healthy as I can no yeah, matter what. Exactly. And I don't overthink it. I don't... I don't uh, um, I don't try to meet any kind of preset requirements about calories or percentages of, of fat to protein to carbohydrate. Right. I just try to listen to my body and, and the more fit I get and the more dialed in my nutrition is, then my intuition improves with that and I, my body tends to tell me what it is that I need. Great. One last question. You, you were talking about last night, the little voice that you still have sometimes show up. Uh, if anything seems off or wrong you'd say oh maybe the vegan it's the vegan thing mm -hmm. and I, we were laughing about that because it's something that you know i think all vegans share on some level but a lot of us you know we're walking around like we i i get a cough or something and i say oh it's, maybe the veganism is making me get sick but then i think well no this has worked for mm -hmm. people over you know however long for however many people except the thing with you is that you're out there on the very limits of mm -hmm. uh, pushing the limits of what humans are capable of so i'm wondering does that like uh, get under your skin more that you have to think well you know i'm both i'm stepping outside of what people expect yeah. but i'm also like pushing what Getting but toward the, the limit thing of what I always have to remind myself of, though, is that the only reason that I'm out there on a limb pushing myself is because I changed my diet. Had I never yeah. changed my diet to embracing this way of eating and living, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be doing any of this at all. So, yeah, yeah there's that tendency to go to have that self-doubt, and I think that's a very human quality. Um, but I also then remind myself, like, well, I'm doing this because of this, not in spite of it. And right. you know, in terms of you know, sort of dealing with those doubts, I think it's important to always try to not be too dogmatic about what right. we're doing. And again, it's human nature. You want to join a team and rally behind a cause, and we're all here because we're vegan, and that's our team, and rah, rah, rah. But, you know, that can lead you also down a dangerous path. It can make you as close-minded as somebody who's anti-vegan. And so you always have to be open-minded enough to entertain the prospect of change. And, uh... And, uh, 
you know, you can't close yourself off to new ideas. And I think that, you know, you see it with vegans as much as you do with anybody who's a, who's a member of any team where they become blinded to, you know, other right. ideas because, like, this is my team and I don't even want to hear about, you know, how yeah. it might not be right or this or that. Well, you're, the story that you told, you know, the, the Rich Roll story is certainly one that I hope will inspire a lot of people to be open to, to different ideas because that's something that you had to yeah. do repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, so whether it's food or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're inspiring a lot of people, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk on VegCast. Okay, that is going to be about it. We have to say goodbye to Johnstown once again. As the sounds of Summerfest 2013 draws to a close, and uh, we're not going to have a science fact for this veg cast, uh, pretty much packed with the uh, sounds of Summerfest, and I would exhort you to go to uh, Dr. Gregor's site, nutritionfacts.org, and uh, you can find his presentation that he did at Summerfest, uh, as well as his videos on all kinds of different uh, nutrition studies and issues. Uh, that is certainly worth your time. So you can do that for this episode. We'll be back next time with a new science fact. But in the meantime, it is about time for us to get out of here. As always, I want to thank our sponsor, Tofurky, making delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO organic soybeans since 1980. I want to thank everybody who spoke for the sounds of Summerfest, Ted Barnett, Amy Hamlin, Jeffrey Cohan, Michael Greger, Ray Sakura, and Rich Roll. Thanks to Sarah Schluter-Eisman, not just for singing and entertaining everybody, but also making a DVD of some of Maya and Skyler's performances. Thanks to Skyler for learning that guitar for Animal Free, and thanks to you, the VegCast listener. We'll be back next time, but until then, please get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast.